everybody. Welcome back to Can You Put Me On Guest List. I'm Katie Knight and I am very excited to have somebody who I've interviewed so many times and every time I interview her we always have something different to talk about so it's always an absolute pleasure to chat with Anya Schneider. Anya is well I mean do I really need to introduce Anya? Everybody knows who Anya Schneider is. Anya has done so much in the music industry so today we're going to be talking all about her beginnings how she started out in music and what her move to berlin was like from the very very beginning what her first jobs were what her first gigs were like her first international gigs we'll also be talking about creativity we're going to be talking about ibiza we're going to be talking about berlin we also are going to be talking about the most challenging part of her job and also the best part of her job we're going to be covering loads of stuff today. Anya is just such a lovely down-to-earth person so it's always so lovely to have a chat with her. She also has given the best guest list rule. You know at the end of this podcast I ask all of my guests what their guest list rule is and Anya has definitely won that guest list rule. She's given me the best guest list rule so far so make sure you don't miss that at the end of the chat and thank you for joining us. Remember you can subscribe to the podcast. I release a new episode every week and thank you for being there. This is Anya Schneider here on Can You Put Me on Guest List. How are you? How is everything? Oh, everything is good. I'm a little bit in stress because we have um, school change now here and I have to get my son better at school that he gets to a better school, you know, in the end of the year, so at the end of the semester, which is stressy, but it's all good. Oh, yeah. How is it like juggling, you know, your kids and touring and doing everything you have to do? I mean, I'm sure now you found a perfect balance, but... Yes, of course, I found a perfect balance, but uh, especially when you found it, uh, life is going to change, and especially when you have a kid, this is going to change, you know, every period is different and has its own problems, and now we get in this little pre-teenager phase, which is really difficult, you know, if I'm not there, he gives a shit, and he's happy <laughs> if I'm not there, so, but it's not that what I want, so every phase, so you always think, okay, now I'm done, everything is perfect, and suddenly, Life is always different, you know, shows you the opposite, but it's okay. There's always problems coming and also good things, not only problems, of course. Yeah, know. of course, of course. So when I was preparing for this interview today, I realized that I think you're one of the people that I've interviewed the most since I started interviewing. I think so too. It was our, our legendary interview in the Amnesia. Of course, I remember this one. Sorry. Well, we have the first one. I actually sent it to Emma the other day. Um, it, the first one was in 2013. That was Amnesia, which yeah. is my first ever year interviewing and that was a music on and then the second one was the legendary one at space when it was space closing at 2016 I remember oh my god and since then you are constantly in Ibiza yes I'm constantly in Ibiza. Yeah, mm. this is where I am now. I mean, in winter, different winters, I've traveled out and done different things in different places. But my base is Ibiza always. Mm. And how was it during the pandemic last uh, year? <sighs> Strange. I mean, I guess just like everyone, it was mm. it was a really weird time. But we, our lockdown in Spain was quite brutal. We weren't allowed to leave the house for absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you were only allowed to leave the house if you wanted to go to the supermarket or if you had to go to the pharmacy. But there was like 
um, police and army all over the island, like making sure nobody was going everywhere. So, and I lived in a really, really, really small apartment at that time. Um, so just not being able to even leave the house to do exercise and mm. in being in like a one bedroom studio for a long time. It was hard on a lot of people. Um, but mm. then obviously, but then after that, things started opening up here. We didn't have clubs, but we had the restaurants and stuff. And the island still got busy. It was good for restaurants and obviously shops because mm. people were spending their money in different ways instead mm. of going to the nightclubs. And then this year has been the first year that we've had everything open again. And it has been such an intense season, mm. like so intense. Mm. I don't know if you've been over much, but... Yeah, been... I've been, but I, for me, it was a little bit too much. And it was also my impression that it was a little bit too much parties. So not every party get crowded as it's supposed to be because yeah. it was way too much, you know. And then, for example, DC10 had five parties instead of one. And of course, some people not going directly in DC10 because DC10 was always the Monday so I played Patrick Topic's party for the beginning and he was happy but I of course saw this club much crowd much more crowded yeah. and of course it's difficult then you have two English parties in a row Thursday there was Solid Groove Friday Patrick so I think it's not healthy you know and also I think Carl Cox I heard it was quite difficult because people that went to Carl Cox they love space you know they're not yeah. really comfy with DC10 and also the hardcore techno nights I think the Emily nights were also not this what she is normally getting you know yeah I think it well, was way too much just there was just so much to offer and it's not even the club nights there was like I've said this um, recently in another podcast but it's like you have obviously the club nights but then there's the daytime yeah. clubs then there's the beach clubs and there's the boat parties then there's the after parties and there's villa parties and there's just like not just one thing 24 7 but there's like various options all mm. the time and I think it's just been a bit too a little bit too much mm. I think this season yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So, no, yeah. let's see. Let's yeah. see, let's see. Let's see, now and now we've got ADE coming up. We all wanted yeah. to slow down and now it's Amsterdam time. But. Yeah, and also the closing. It was never, ever such a long closing, you know. We're in the middle of October and still closing parties somewhere, you know. Crazy. I mean, club, club, today is the 18th of October. Yeah. On this Saturday, which is the 22nd, Club Chinois, what used to be hard, yeah. that's still open. Crazy. So still stuff happening all the time. But the, the island is actually still quite busy. That's the thing. There's still a lot of people about. And and as I said to you before, it's like it's, the weather's really good as well. So, yeah, longest okay. season in history for sure. Wow, crazy. So now I can see properly, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you for coming on my podcast. Of course. Out to you. So that's what I was thinking before. I know I've interviewed for different things. We did Elro stream last year. Yeah. We did uh, an Ibiza Global Radio one the year before, but I'd never had you on the podcast. So I always like to start this podcast talking a little bit about your beginnings mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and just to learn a little bit more about how you started out. So I'd love to know where your love for music came from and, and how it started for you. Oh, actually, I think the, the first time that I get into a kind of electronic music was, of course, for the bands of Deepesh Mode and The Cure back um, 
late 80s or something like this. I really loved this band and it was quite um, famous in Germany, probably also like where everyone, everywhere else. So this was my first love for electronic music, kind of, you know, and of course then I bought my first record. Um, it was not the first, so it was the second. It was really a Kraftwerk um, computer lieber. And this was something what completely blown me away because it was different than all this, what I heard in the radio, what I known before. And of course they were German, you know, you were, yeah. I love them and probably they are responsible for all this move what I did with in the music and my and taste. At what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to make a career out of music? Was it from a young age? Absolutely not. This was more like an organic thing, you know. Of course then I started to go out, I heard my first DJ and I knew there was something going on and during this time I was still living in Cologne and um, born and raised in Cologne and Cologne was during this time not the hottest city it was definitely later with the labels of compact and stuff like this so and of course the wall came down I never been to Berlin but I heard there was something biggest things going on there are clubs in restricted areas in old fallen houses where you can just go there was a kind of anarchy which I uh, never experienced until then and then I made my first travel to Berlin and I stayed <laughs> so your first travel to Berlin that's why you, you just stayed mm -hmm. after that because you're yeah. still there now aren't you ah, yes I mean of course I, I went back and forth but it was for me for me absolutely clear that I want to stay because I, I went to the Tresor for the first time and it opens up my mind and I never saw something like this and it was kind of a freedom and it was new music and completely new energy and I was completely in love with the city during this time I'm still in love with the city I have to say but there was something going on which you definitely could never find somewhere else and for me it was everything was open and freedom and so I moved to Berlin and um, it was not ambitious that I'm looking for a career in the music business because I was coming from marketing and communications and I worked in an oh, advertising really? agency. Yeah. Ah. And Berlin during this time, there was absolutely nothing. There was no one knows what to do. You know, there was like a new city. They had to find themselves. There was not enough, ma not much money. You could easily stay in Berlin with with really really um, not much money you know so it was even no jobs but then I decided to give up and go to Berlin and find a job in an advertising agency here which I did but of course I was only living for the weekend you know this was not comparable with this where I'm coming from it was like a little yeah I don't know circles whatever but I just came here I just needed a job for my parents you know but I, I literally I came here to Berlin because I want to go out and I want to see the clubbing scene because I wanted to be a part of it uh, because I had directly the feeling that there is something going on which is bigger um, than I than it seems now and I wanted to be a part of it I didn't want to be only like a weekend guest I want to be in the middle I want to feel the energy and this is why I moved to Berlin and uh, during this time then I was because in Berlin there was not a lot of uh, knowledge and a lot of no students nothing because I told you it was like a really anarchy city so and then I realized there's a little pirate radio station called Kiss FM and I called them and said hey you know I have some skills I know how you write a letter I'm structured you know I've worked in an advertising agency in Düsseldorf uh, do you need my help and of course they couldn't pay but you could easily live without money during this time and I said yeah come over and this is how I 
started to work in music business because I was doing the whole program manager for this pirate station and it was quite funny we had for example Paul van Dijk was doing a morning show <laughs> he was not this big one already Ellen Alien starts her first techno show it was wow. called Brain Candy and literally everyone who started during this time at this little pirate station is now kind of um, celebrities it's hard to say but he made or she made the way out of it and made a big career out of it we have some TV presenters from there we have producers we had Paul van Dijk we had Ellen you know everyone made history somehow <laughs> wow that's crazy so is it there where you learned to to DJ as well or did you were you already doing that before no I was not DJing at all doing this I was just helping them because I was the most organized person in this in this <laughs> because I, I came there every morning hey, hey can you come and do a show because we had to organize and no one was really taking care of it so I brought a little bit of structure and then it was getting more and more professional then money came in someone bought it and it was then not this hippie circle uh, collective what it was before so I moved away and I had an offer from um, um, uh, government like the BBC from ARD from RBB from Radio Fritz and they asked me if I can help them to get a little bit more consultant then into electronic music. And this is how I started to build electronic music shows to start um, to make presentations, marketing presentations, to work for the Love Parade with them. So, and during this time, because I was organizing everyone, everything, they were asking me, why are you not doing your show by yourself? And I was like, oh my God, no, I don't, I'm not really ready for this. And I had the feeling if I start a radio, I would, probably talk a little bit stupid like hey hello hi and then everyone thinks in, on the marketing side she's crazy and don't take me serious on that on that point but I did it and it was the best decision in my life so I started my own radio show and during this time it was like end of the 90s you know radio was a completely different role than it has now so everyone was listening to it especially in berlin before they went to the clubs because to get all the information how they can go what's going on on this night what kind of djs are in town a lot of djs came to my show so it was really really popular and it has had a big name and really big impact and then of course uh, I had requests if I want to play music as a DJ and I thought completely stupid of course when I can do this in the radio I can do this in a club without knowing that you have confronted directly with people and that you have to mix and you can see the reaction which in radio you're completely free and okay you know it's not um, not really terrible for your mind too. so uh, yeah and the first gigs you can imagine they were terrible and then <laughs> I thought okay maybe you have to learn it and you have to to check it how it's really going uh, when you want to do this and I did and it was good that's such a good point of you know radio DJs that go from just playing on the radio to then you know playing in front of a crowd because it is totally a different thing even though okay they're under the same name but it's so different. Yeah, it was terrible, and of course you can see the reaction. And if you play on a radio, maybe a track which is not fitting or people don't like, you don't care because you can't yeah. see the reaction. Maybe you know no one is was writing or oh, this track was not really nice, you know. But you can see it directly if you play the wrong track. And beat matches is in the radio also different because I had radio booths which is difficult from a different from a DJ booth and I remember first time it was a club gig it was also end of the 90s and I played 
I think just before Paul Kalkbrenner, you know, and it was such a mess. It was terrible. Wow. It was a party of friends and they believed in me, but I had absolutely no clue. So it was the most embarrassing moment in my career. And of course, <laughs> maybe also the most important because um, I, I really realized, okay, you have to do something. You're not doing this again. You are so ashamed. And it was really terrifying for me. <laughs> wow. And what about your first ever international gig? Oh my God, I think it was probably something. Oh, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> now, that's a funny story because uh, the cats and dogs, they were already friends, or we made friends, or we known each other. They were also in the beginning of the career. And they had a little party in Stettin, which is like two hours from Berlin with a car, but it's in Poland. And they invited me. And I was super um, nervous and, uh, yes. Um, uh, curious and excited excitement was really big so I came there and it was actually six people on the party the two cats and the dogs waiting and Greg, me then my driver and I think someone of the friends of them <laughs> so this was my first international game but until then we are really really close friends you know and uh, because it was a fun night in the end it was great to meet and it's great to see what um, we are still both there and we didn't give up, you know. Some people nowadays, if you look now to the scene and how the business is, maybe some people giving up too too fast, you know, because now when you start, you're directly, boom, exploding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's harder or easier nowadays to make a name of yourself because we have, like, social media and all of these platforms? Do you think it's... I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it. maybe it is easier because you have more of a way to show yourself but then on the other side I think there's a lot more people that are trying to make it uh, than there probably was before. I mean there are definitely so many people that want to make it and there's so many DJs out there but I'm absolutely sure it's much more easier because the most of the big artists now they have like a huge team some of them they had even a marketing plan some of them I have the feeling they're there because of a marketing plan and everything fits so perfectly together. So, um, but you will ever, you will never know how much this is going to be last. You know, I would love to see this kind of DJs in a little shitty club with shitty sound system where we've been all through this. And it's sometimes it's, I mean, I'm not, not mad about it because this is the, the matter of the times, you know, and I'm not a person who is like jealous or thinking, Oh, of course it's, it's, it's happening, it's, it's a sign of the times, but it's of course sad because sometimes when I look to this artist, just my, my personal feeling, I don't feel that they are feeling it and I'm not sure if they're having fun what they're doing, you know, they have always the same uh, expression in their face and the hands up in the air and stuff like this, which looks for me a little bit like a formula, which is sad, unfortunately. But um, on the other hand, I'm also super, super happy that we didn't have the social media, that we didn't have a phone where we could take pictures because there were so much embarrassing moments. <laughs> <laughs> and at least they're not, they're not all over the internet. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, we, there were some really crazy times back then. And um, it's, it's wonderful that we have this in our heads and, and minds. And now it's, it's a really tough life. And sometimes I have also the the feeling that some of this probably great artists but they've never been to rave you know <laughs> they never yeah. were raving and they're so wonderful and, and everything is so clean and always like a scandal and sometimes we are still in a I mean I'm 
and rave up from my heart. I love to go also on the dance floor and, and freak out dance-wise, not like I was back in the days, but it's still a um, really big thing in my in my life. And sometimes I have the feeling this new artist, hopefully they had this too, you know. And, and because their train is dirty. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you have to, you know, we are playing, we are, we are part of the scene and we are not better than our audience, you know. So yeah. I think, and this is something what I'm missing or what I'm thinking, hmm. This could be cool if they're gonna would love to send him to rave three days without showering and stuff like this. <laughs> Where is your favorite place to rave? Mm. I'm sorry. Okay. Of course, um, I'm coming um, because I'm living in Berlin, and the favorite place for raving was definitely the Bergheim for me in Panorama Bar. But I have also to say, admit that it's a long time I didn't go there since since a while, but. Because I'm always a little bit afraid, because when you're going on a Sunday night, you easily can't make it on a Monday, because you forget time there like this. And this is a wonderful um, space that something happens like this, you know. And of course, there are also, I mean, Bergheim is so easy to say, because the whole world is talking about it, and this is the, the biggest yeah. rave temple. But of course, there have been also wonderful places outdoor on a festival in the mountains in Switzerland or I've been to a beautiful place in Morocco two weeks ago which is like from the surrounding amazing and uh, in the desert with the ocean it was it was wonderful you know wow. which is also beautiful there are so many beautiful places but I think I have also the feeling with the new depth of places where you can rave getting more and more experimental and more more pushy and more yeah. bigger, brighter, more adventure. So I'm not sure if this is really, you know, helpful because you have to be inside yourself. You have to be ready to get loose, to let loose. And uh, you should ha have to do this on a really safe place. And this is the most important thing that you can rave on safe space, uh, safe place. It doesn't matter if it's on a club or wherever. This is the most important. No, I totally agree. Is it true that they're going to close Bergheim? Of course, there are rumors. I have no idea. But, I mean, even if it would be like this, I mean, can you imagine you run the Bergheim since more than, I mean, Oscar, I don't know how many years they're doing this now, 40. If someone is done, because it can't be even better. They reached everything. Yeah. I, I could understand it, but it's, I'm not sure. I have no ideas. But I could understand it. It would be a really sad sad news if it's true but um, I can understand both sides but it's a it's a big um, loss if it's yeah. happening definitely it's like when space closed down yeah that last dance that was the weirdest thing and now I don't know if you feel the same but whenever you go into high I always just feel like it's just such a strange feeling. I never really feel like I've connected with the club since then. Mm -hmm. Like you see all like the side doors and you're like, oh, that's where you would go for to go through the kitchen. And this used to be like that. But everything changes and moves moves on, I guess. I couldn't go to Hyde. I, I couldn't I couldn't make it. You because, haven't been yet. No, I haven't been yet because also it was so emotional the last day. And it was such a club with such a meaning and so so important for a lot of people so I couldn't make I couldn't go there <laughs> yeah no that's what I mean like the first I, I the first few times that I went I found it really really difficult to to enjoy myself because you just it just brings back all of these lovely memories mm -hmm. and the people that haven't been to space I always think oh, I can't it's such a shame that you never got to experience what it was like mm -hmm. before 
mm-hmm. which would be the same for people if they haven't gone to Bergheim. But yeah, again, of course, life goes on. Life goes yeah. on. And there will so, be something different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you had to choose three of your biggest career highlights so far, which ones would they be? Mm-hmm. Definitely there was the first love parade I played. I think it was 2008 on the Säule in Berlin. This was uh, massive. And I was definitely also not ready for this. And um, this is what I was saying earlier, you know, when you probably in a first status and a really young status your career you get thrown out to a big 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 thing and I was not ready to, to, to for it but I did my best what I could do for this time and when I look back it was really really important for me but I maybe it was good that I didn't see the importance of what yeah. it reflected to my career but it was one of the biggest thing and then definitely uh, when we created Mobile and had our first success and our first parties in Barcelona because we had like this family context which was beautiful what I never experienced after this you know we all went there we we slept in one apartment and we were cooking for each other and I remember Thomas from Pampot he was doing this time he had fear of flying so we went with some of the, us went with him via train to Barcelona you know there was like a something like a yeah it was like a family, a family. And yeah everyone t- um, was taking care of uh, the, the other person and I never experienced this again and definitely missing this and this I always a, used to love at Sona when you used to do the rooftop. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was so nice. Yeah, this is something what was really also like a highlight of my career. And then, of course, the third one was, <laughs> yeah, maybe the, I can't even describe it as a moment, but it was definitely when, I don't know which song, but when you had like your first moment in the studio where it clicked, where you, um, where I experienced that I can make music even without mm-hmm. making something and that I know that I could feel it. And this is something that was really beautiful. Sometimes you have these moments also when you are DJing that you are not thinking about what player next. So it just everything comes like organic. And this is something why I'm still DJing because this moment is like the best ever and you're always looking for this the perfect party the perfect you are with the music in the crowd and it's not on every gig definitely you know and this is also something which is wonderful and which you can't really name it was there and there it's sometimes it happens sometimes not that's such a beautiful way of putting it because I was just going to say is it something that happens in every party but I guess it's there's just moments throughout the mm-hmm. time you're playing right yeah, yeah and it's really hard to say but for this moment you're always going okay I want to have this again it's like a special feeling like adrenaline that you say okay I'm doing this next gig maybe and sometimes you get surprised you know you think like oh oh, this sounded not so nice, club, you know, you read what's, what's, what's going on, and then it turns out like a beautiful moment, it's all perfect, the sound is perfect, and then sometimes when you have too much expectations, then it's mostly like, hmm, most okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bet the first time that you have that feeling, it must be like, because you've never felt it before, you don't even know that you can actually reach that limit, so it must be like this whole rush of adrenaline through mm-hmm. your body, like, wow. Mm-hmm. This feeling is insane. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's pro- yeah, this is why we are doing all this, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you think is the most difficult or complicated part of your job? Uh, so definitely I'm struggling with social media. 
Uh, I mean, of course, it's a part of our job, but of course, it's also super difficult because sometimes, I mean, I saw yesterday this wonderful video from Annie Mac. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. So where she was like, okay, sometimes you have these days where nothing happens, you know, this, you can't really get yourself, you know, you, you work, but you're not really inspired, you do something, you know, this, this, this great days, you know, and then the moment you open up your phone and look into Instagram and think, oh, oh, this person has a wonderful day, and look, mm. and then you start to compare your shitty day or a normal, just boring day with the life of the others, and you think, oh my God, how you can present yourself and make yourself more interesting, and uh, I can't show my boring life because everyone else has an amazing moment now, amazing days, everyone is on Ibiza and the sun, and you're like here in a great building. And this is something where, of course, I'm struggling with, and I have to stop to, to compare or to, to get negative feelings, which because it's stupid. It's not really reality, and of course, everyone shows the better, it's the better me on the Instagram. And it's, of course, something where I'm struggling with, and it's a process not to, to do this. And of course, you're always thinking, why this person plays on this festival? I, it could be me. No, of course, yeah. it could be thousands of different other yeah. ones, you know? And this is really the hardest part, to be more relaxed and saying, I don't care, it's wonderful, I'm happy. I'm really happy with this, how it is. I can agree more with you on that because I think it happens to, not obviously not just in our industry, but, you know, in so many different industries uh, where you, it, it just it also just takes up so much, not just of your time, but your headspace as well, mm -hmm. where you'll start looking at something and then, so as you said before, okay, so why is this person playing in the festival? And then you'll mm -hmm. go on their profile and then you'll end up scrolling down and going on this picture and that picture. And then you end up looking at their cousin mm -hmm. and their cousin's friend. Yes. And then, they, and it's like this whole rabbit hole of just going down and comparing. And it is, I, I think it is a big issue and it takes over so many people's lives in mm -hmm. such a negative way. I think social media has its good side to it, which is obviously, you know, for promotion and... You know, connection and networking but the other side the downsides to it is definitely that that mm -hmm. it's just not reality mm -hmm. you're just showing the best part of your day which could be like a one percent of your <laughs> 24 hours yeah of course and sometimes we are not thinking about why is this person there you know you never think i mean there's some whatever you know you always have to, to to see the whole picture and this is difficult and this is quite hard uh, just be free of this and not wasting your time but it's exactly like you said you, you're going over the cousin and there and there and it's yeah. interesting and then suddenly you're two hours and you're like oh, what <laughs> yeah literally I have to give myself times now like from a certain hour in the day I will just not be on social media because yeah. otherwise then I'm like I've just wasted two hours of my life looking at somebody else when I could have been do doing something totally different yeah but I think we're all we, we all do it yeah. And what about the best part of your job? I mean, the best part is um, <laughs> it's so funny, you know, because after the pandemic, I'm really enjoying, uh, even if it's a pain in the ass, to travel again. You know, traveling is, is not easy. But of course, when you're here with all the, you know, suddenly you can't go out and you're all the time with your beloved family, <laughs> it yeah. could be also difficult. <laughs> and now it's wonderful that you know, okay, no stress because of the weekend I'm leaving for 24 hours, which is 
wonderful for everyone in this household, I would say. And of course, traveling is like amazing and meeting other people. And because I had no idea that I was missing this so much and be with other people and, and get more experience in because I get inspired from traveling and meeting other people. And sometimes it's really interesting because sometimes you be with people you never thought about and it's interesting how other people life is it's not this what you see on instagram and they suddenly talk about problems issues and what they're doing and have interesting jobs when i never thought about it and i love this so much connecting with people and different cultures yeah it's the total opposite of what we just talked about on social media yeah so social media you see like the not so real side and this way you actually have conversations about real things that are happening in real time and real people which yeah. is the best the best part of it do you travel by yourself most of the time or do you t do you travel uh with somebody now most of the time nowadays i'm traveling by myself and of course there were the times there were better times i have to be honest where i was uh, able to to travel with a tour manager but the times are changing changed and uh, of course now we have to support each other also the clubs so fees getting in my career not higher which is also okay <laughs> and so i have to travel with by myself do you like traveling by yourself Actually, it's more healthier. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I, I had a wonderful tour manager, the best year I could have. It was also my best friend. But of course, it is like, uh, it's a wonderful gay guy. So we enter the hotel five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, now we have three hours for dinner. And like, hmm, let's go, let's meet at the bar. You know, you have your first drink. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, and then yeah, suddenly you have two drinks and then you go to the dinner. And normally I'm always sleeping after the dinner, I try to or sleep before my game. But if you have a tour manager, yeah, you have the dinner, you go back to the bar and then you yeah. go early to the party. So he's all the time. So it's much better to travel yeah. by myself in my case. I mean, it is, I can't speak for everyone else. I mean, everyone has um, probably different structures and um, roles. But of course, when it's your best friend and of course we are always curious and then we were like running to the city and having a little wine here and then yeah. yeah it's like more socialized and was a friendship adventure and now we both said it's much healthier if you do this much healthier <laughs> lifestyle yeah. yeah when you come back from touring somewhere what things do you do to totally disconnect from your weekend do you have other things that you like to do outside of music <sighs> If I come back on a Sunday, I'm looking stupid German um, telenovelas or tatort. We are trash shows. I'm sorry to say this. I mean, I know everyone on Instagram would say I have these wonderful films like Superhero, Jogo Da, whatever. No, it's trash TV sometimes. I like it, especially on a Sunday. Yes, nice. That sounds like the perfect night in. Kardashians also. <laughs> Do you watch the Kardashians? Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, not sometimes. I like it. Do you so. watch it in German or in English? In English. I do. They, I don't know if they would put if they would uh, do it in German. I, I. That's so funny. I didn't think that they would. I just thought that that was like a very like American British thing. Sometimes I, I like it because it's so stupid, and I like what kind of problems they have, and um, then I'm thinking. Oh. You know, I mean, we're all watching trash TV because yeah. it's kind of an instant and we think, oh, come on, we are not the only one. They are much more worse than, than we. Yes. 
<laughs> They're much worse. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. So between your weekend gigs, do you do other things during the week that are outside of music? Or is every day for you evolved around music somehow? So since now 18 days, um, um, I had a radio show actually every day from 5 to 7. Um, it was a special show for the German classic radio and they had a section of program called Beats Radio and I did the drive hour five to seven and this job came to me during the pandemic and they offered me a show and I was like okay let's do it and then they came like no we want to have you every day because I thought they were talking about a weekend show and I did it but I did it for one year and I couldn't do it anymore because it was too much too much music because I completely underestimated how much time it cost Every day, two hours, it was more deep house, organic, something drive time. You have to find out what people are listening during yeah. this time. And then I was a little bit too much DJ that I didn't want to repeat myself too much. And it was super tiring. I had no time to do for, to do something else. And since 18 days, I'm a little bit lost because I don't have a radio show because it was really intense. So, But I'm thinking about to do radio again. There are some nice opportunities and I think I will be back but not on a daily hour um, daily daily show mm -hmm. two hours a day is a lot mm -hmm. a lot of work and I can imagine for you if you also have to prepare your music for the weekend and then you have music basically you're looking for music for seven days a week yeah and I couldn't do anything else I was all the time constantly on every flight on my computer preparing my show and it was the, uh, way too much. And I'm super happy and it was a really intense time. It helped me through this really difficult year. Um, but I'm done with this. Isn't radio so nice though? Still, absolutely. Of course, I had also my little podcast series back um, yes. called Backstage. And actually, I was thinking about to invent it or to, to restart again. I'm not sure if I should do this because, yeah... yeah. That was great. You should do it. Yeah, maybe I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, is there anything that you would change about the music industry? <laughs> of course, I would love that, that everyone takes more risk again, you know, or that the clubs can survive because that we're going to go a little bit away from this huge festivals, VIP hype, because when I started to go out, there was this little club around the corner and they always served me good music. I could trust them. It was a safe space during this time. And um, now I think these little clubs are not existing anymore because they are always thinking they have to book uh, big headliners, but they can't afford. And I think also these huge festivals can destroy a little bit our local club scene, which is really sad. Because people don't will have this, this big money you know, anymore. I mean, maybe this year was okay. We, we don't know what's, what's going on next year. I know. I think especially with everything that's, that's gone over the last two years, it's yeah. just, we don't even, it's so hard to predict now, isn't it? What's going to yeah, happen? Yeah, absolutely. As, as it's, 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 I'm not looking in my opinion, to a bright future, especially for these younger people now, you know, it's going to be a little bit more harder. And actually, we grown up in the best time ever, you know, we were not thinking about anything bad or terrible. And uh, it's, we were really blessed for this, me as a German girl, you know. Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of people, they, they've been through a lot of terrible things. And uh, for me, the most terrible thing was first time in my life, the pandemic, you have to think about it, you know. Yeah. So it's, um, 
so I'm really, really grateful for this and, and can a little bit imagine what other people been through. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Sometimes we forget about that. Yeah. Obviously, as we were saying before, there was obviously a very negative time, but there was a, people a lot worse than a lot mm -hmm. of us out yeah. there. Tell me a little bit about SOAS on the label. What's happening? How How is it going so far since you launched? Uh, it's, I'm happy. It's, it's quite difficult. Um, I mean, of course, when I started Mobile, this was much more easier times and we got directly success. But of course, nowadays, I don't know how many labels we have, 25,000, just, Oof. So, I don't know. Yeah, I just say, yeah. So it's quite difficult, you know, to make it outstanding. And this times so, are um, definitely over. Uh, comparable to Mobilistart and it's actually running well and I'm starting a compilation which comes out on the 18th of November which yes. the artists they've been already on my label like for example the English because of art and I have matter of fact Isaac Reuben then I have Julian Bracht I have a reform from Italy really young people nice. uh, yeah it's gonna be good <laughs> Oh, hope you like it well, I'm sure we will and just to end this podcast I, I ask everybody the same question because mm -hmm. the, the podcast is called can you put me on guest list and that is do you have a guest list rule I always put some feet on my guest list <laughs> just for the name yeah because you know it's just like a someone is on my and then always the promoter like oh where is he where is he and then you get better drinks and better rider. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. So hopefully it will not hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Anya, thank you so, so much for having this chat with me. Okay, and thank we'll you. And we'll do our yearly, yearly chat next year again. Yeah, we have to. And hopefully yeah. I'm going to see you in person once. Okay. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye.